This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, good evening, everybody. I'm glad to see you all here. Let's open up with prayer tonight, okay? Father, we come before you this evening, and Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is what teaches us how to live. Your word is what you have left for us as a guide for us to know what to do in life, how to behave. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for it. And so, Lord, tonight, as I I speak forth your word, Father, I thank you, Lord, that we all have ears to hear. We have hearts to receive what your word has to say. And Satan, you'll not steal this word that's sown in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a piece of paper and pencil and your Bible, because i got a whole lot of uh, scripture I'm going to be talking about tonight. My sermon title tonight is Untying God's Hands. Do we have God all tied up? You know, sometimes we have God all tied up and we don't even realize it. Sometimes we're sitting around waiting for God to move and God's waiting for us to, to move. Kind of like a checker game, you know, he's made his move. And he's sitting there waiting for us to make our move. And we're sitting there thinking, come on, God, move. And he's sitting there thinking, I did. It's your turn. You know, so anyway. Um, so today in this, in the time that we're living in, it appears that the world's in a fog. How many of you can testify that, that the world just, the whole world just seems like it's just a stupid fog, you know? And, uh, it's in a holding pattern. Everything's kind of stopped and stood still across the entire world. Um, But that's not what we're supposed to be doing, right? The Lord tells us in Isaiah 60, verse 1, He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is shining upon you and upon me. So it matters not what's going on in the world or what isn't going on in the world. The bottom line is we're born-again believers. Our light always shines. The glory of the Lord is always upon us. The love of God is always shed abroad in our hearts, as Romans 5, t- 5 tells us. And we've got a job to do, right? So can we lay back and just live in la-la land? <laughs> la-la land like the world's doing right now in that stupid fog? Do you want to live there? I don't want to live there. In fact, I refuse to live there. I refuse to be put on hold because of what the devil's trying to do in the world today. Because he is a defeated foe. And I'm not going to pay any attention to the junk that he's trying to pull. Because I'm going to stay focused on Jesus. How about you? Amen. So everything around us looks so disparaging. But we must stay focused. Amen. Uh, look, in, look in your Bibles at us. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Actually start in 17. I'm in the New King James. So if your Bible doesn't jive with mine... I'm just reading out I'm just, just, I just knew Duke King James. Amen. So here I am. Okay. Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, are you in Christ? He is a new creature. Man, that's good news. Old things are passed away. Whatever your old stupid life was, it's passed away. It's buried. It's gone. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us, born-again people, the ministry of reconciliation. 
So what in the world are we reconciling? We are reconciling. It is our job, our duty to reconcile a lost and a dying world to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's our calling. That's our number one goal that we're supposed to do in life. That's it. The Word tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the purpose that He came. For souls. That's why He came. Verse 19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So we're the ones that God has given You know, the word of reconciliation. Amen? So we need to stop and look around uh, at what we don't see. You know, we can look around and say, well, there's a whole lot of things I'm not seeing right now. But we need to look around and we need to do this. What Jesus told us to do in Luke chapter 9. Look at Luke chapter 9. Make sure you're writing all this stuff down. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus said, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So when we think of a plow, we think about plowing a field. You don't see that so much around here as we did like coming from the Midwest where they're plowing the fields every spring and they're turning stuff under every fall. So we saw how those plows work. We even saw how the Amish plowed with their horses. We've even seen people plow with just their single plow as they're plowing their garden. But if we put our hands to the plow of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no business looking back. Lot's wife looked back and what happened to her? She turned to a pillar of salt, right? So there's nothing back there. So if we're putting our hand to the plow of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we need to keep on keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, staying focused on on the goal that is set before us, and that is to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians Paul says in First Corinthians, that's not 16, it's, it's 3.6. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 3.6, I have planted, he said, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And what this is saying is that, that Paul planted the word of God. He witnessed. He told people the good news about Jesus Christ. And then Apollos comes along. And he says the same things that Paul had said, only in the way that the Lord had him say stuff. And so he's watering the seed that was planted in Joe Schmo over here, or Sally Moe over here, you know. Paul planted the seed. Apollos comes along later and he waters the seed. If you look back on your own life, you will see times when you first heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it was from your parents, whether it was from in, if you're, you know, in, in Sunday school, whatever, or if a friend told you about Jesus, you heard it for the first time. And you thought about it. And somebody else came along and they told you the same thing. And you start thinking about it some more. And then God gets the increase. God's the one who closes the deal. And those people say the prayer of salvation and they get born again. Um, you know, I got to thinking about, uh, um, <laughs> I got to thinking about, uh, the Indianapolis 500. 
I don't even know. Do you know what the Indianapolis 500 is? Some of you do, some of you don't. Race car, big race car race every year in Indianapolis 500. And a lot of Christians used to go down to the Indianapolis 500 and uh, witness. Well, there was a whole lot of sinning going on down there in the infield, I guess. I've never been to the 500. This is just what they told me. A whole lot of sinning going on down there in the infield at the Indianapolis 500, drinking and carousing and all kinds of garbage carrying on. But the believers are down there and they're sharing Jesus. So they're, they're, they're down there, you know. But some folks didn't want to hear that. So they got mad at the believers who were sharing the word and they spit in their faces. So that's interesting. So sometimes if you're out sharing the word, people aren't necessarily going to want to hear it. And especially in this day and age, they may get downright angry at you. I think about Dr. Barclay's story. You know, he was a <laughs> sinner on his way to hell, and he'll tell you so himself. And when he was down at Camp Pendleton, um, somebody came to his, knocked on his door one day, witnessing to him. Well, Dr. Barclay punched him right in the face. Told, said a few choice words to him, you know, told him to blankety-blank get off of his porch and don't ever come back. Well, the next day... The same man shows up again. He's all bandaged up because Dr. Barkley did a number on him. And he says, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and I forgive you. Dr. Barkley never saw that man again. After that, he went to Vietnam. And those words that that man that, that, that came to his door said to him troubled him and troubled him and troubled him and troubled him. So finally, one day, he's, uh, it's raining in Vietnam, and he and his buddy are leaning up against each other, you know, with their rifles just sitting there. And Dr. Barkley starts talking to his buddy about Jesus and about this guy that came to his door and about this guy that he punched, punched out. But he couldn't let go of the words that this man had told him. And he ended up giving his life to the Lord Jesus Christ in the jungles of Vietnam. And look at the ministry he has nowadays. Dr. Barclay said he's tried and tried and tried to find that man. He, t he called the churches in the area. Did you send out a witnessing team on the day of da-da-da-da? He couldn't find that man. The man re remains nameless. But look at the work that he did. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named Mordecai Ham? Very popular name these days. I knew you would, Pastor. Mordecai Ham. Great name, Mordecai. You ought to name your kids that. Mordecai Ham. He's the one that led Billy Graham to the Lord. We hear Billy Graham's name all over the place. He's, he's famous evangelist. You know what I'm saying? His son now, Franklin's doing all that work. But Mordecai Ham led him to the Lord on the corner. He was a street witnesser. And he led him to the Lord on a corner. See, we don't know who it is we're planning to, what they will become in life. Maybe, you know, maybe they're not going to become anybody great. But they'll be great because their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They'll be great because they get to go to heaven because you and I opened our mouths and we spoke forth the words, Amen. Look at Romans 5.20. Romans 
I like to think about this verse a lot. So I'm, talking, I'm talking about the end of this verse. Because even though we look around and things seem very dark out there, and in a way, same, th- same things seem hopeless in a lot of ways. You know, you can't even hardly stand to watch the news anymore. It's so bad. But this scripture always rings true to me. Romans 5.20b, the last part of it, says, Where sin abounds... Do you think sin abound, is abounding in the world today? And it's obvious. But grace, God's grace, does much more abound. So it doesn't matter how big we think the sin is out there and the darkness is out there abounding. Guess what? God is bigger. It's like a David Goliath thing. Right? We serve a great big God. We cannot be afraid and hide in our little bunkers or whatever, because a lot of us, you know, they tell us to stay home and blah, blah, blah. But we still have things that we can do to witness. You know, you've got to open up your mouth, and you've got to talk. I'm going to jump ahead of myself a little bit. The whole time I was writing this message, I thought of Sabrina. Raise your hand, Sabrina. The whole time I thought about Sabrina, and I thought, because Sabrina reminds me of me when when I... uh, was a stay-at-home mom and had 110 kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I didn't have that many, but some days, some days it seems like that, right? <laughs> so, you know, I would cry out to the Lord and I would say, Lord, use me, use me. At the time, we lived in the middle of an 80-acre farm in Noblesville, Indiana. I had no neighbors. And I had my little people at home. I had two teenage boys and then I had the, the let's see, yeah, all four of you were born, the four little ones, Josh, wherever he is, David, Ann and Joe were all at home, little little people. This is what I did. You know, I told you I would cry out to the Lord, Lord, use me, because I've always had a call of God on my life. Back in those days, we had home telephones. Guess what, kids? Cell phones weren't even invented. Isn't that wonderful? Well, well, I was going to say, isn't that wonderful? But sometimes it's wonderful, sometimes it's not so wonderful. Depends on what the kids are doing with the phones, correct? So... We, I had a home phone number. I'm out in the middle of an 80-acre farm. No, no, nobody around me with four little people. Stay-at-home mom. He's, he's going to work every day. I always answered the phone, Jesus loves you. What could I do? You remember that? Always answered the phone, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And the cool thing about that was I was proclaiming the name of Jesus because my phone number was real close to a doctor's office's phone number and a resort that was in the area. I got all kinds of wrong numbers. They thought they were getting a wrong number, but they weren't getting a wrong number at all because they were hearing that Jesus loved them. Some people have never heard that Jesus loves them. All they have ever heard is that Jesus is a cuss word. That was one thing that I could do. And sometimes the conversations would get prolonged, you know. I was able to go ahead and witness to the people and talk to them about Jesus and, you know, say, bless your day, have a good day. That was one thing I could do in the middle of an 80-acre farm out in the middle of nowhere with four little people. A lot of times, uh, back in those days, people didn't pay their uh, bills online. I sat there and wrote out checks and, and put them in an envelope and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, what's the sense of having an envelope if you don't write something cool on it? Flip it over. Right, Jesus loves you on it. 
right? Jesus cares about you on it. Or if you're writing out that check in the memory, in the memo thing down there, say, Jesus loves you. Lay hands on it. You've got anointing in your hands. Lay hands on it. So when, you're, when you mail that sucker and they get it, and they're touching it, guess what? They're getting an anointed piece of paper. Isn't that cool? That's something. You can still do that today. Um, I could help at my church. We lived 35 miles away from our church. We lived in Noblesville, Indiana. Our church was in Indianapolis. At one point, we moved to southern Indiana, and our church was 50 miles away one, one way. Folks that live at uh, Fort Irwin have that long drive, and they understand what it's, what it's like. But you know what? If God puts you in a church, and if it's alive, it's worth the drive, I'm telling you. So I could help at church. So I became the nursery director of a 500-member church. So I was able to minister to those that were already born again. But how about the people that came to visit and they weren't born again yet? And I was over the team of people that tended to their children. Right? And I wrote all the ministry helps manuals around here before the Lord had me turn the ministry helps over to Desiree. But I tell all the children and the, and the, and the youth uh, and the nursery workers, Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And even though you're ministering to a tiny baby that doesn't know how to talk, may not understand, the love of God within you gets transferred to these little babies. And somehow or other, they pick that up and that remains with them forever. So anyway, I, I was a nursery director of, of a 500-member church. I was a greeter. Not everybody that came through the doors of the church was saved. I was prayed up. I was sensitive to the Holy Ghost to say maybe some things to those, re- those people that came in. Um, I also served as an usher. So, praise the Lord. You wonder why and how to do everything around here. It's because I did it all, right? At one point, I refused to learn how to run the sound. I thought, if I learn how to run the sound, guess who's going to be running the sound? Moi. So I thought, not doing it. Same way with changing the oil on a car. I thought, no, I'm not going to learn that. Don't teach me. I'm not going to learn. I'm going to close my ears. I'm not going to learn. Because if, if I learn how to change the oil, guess who's changing the oil? I'm not doing that. But I did all this other stuff. We worked in the hospitality room. The hospitality room was a place where the first time people came and, and they would be ushered into this room and we would feed them, uh, you know, coffee, donuts or whatever, cookies, and they were able to meet the, the staff of the church and the pastors. I volunteered in the office. Um, we held church-sponsored home groups in our home. This is being a stay-at-home mom with four little kids. God, use me. What can I do? Um, most important thing that was going on in my life at that time was God it was using me to train up my children. That's the most important job you young moms can do is to train up these babies and these young people to serve God. It paid off. It paid off. Pastor and I got married in 1982. We didn't start we didn't pioneer our first church until 1992. We waited for 10 years, and a lot of times I would say, God, you know, I know we're called. I know we're called. Use us. But you know what happened? God kept saying, you be patient. And I tended to my little children. And I tell you what, you know, they talk about helicopter moms that hover over their kids. I did. You know why I did? Because there's an evil world out there. 
And so I either homeschooled my kids or I sent them to the Christian school, most of them. And uh, I was always real cautious about who they were around, la, 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 la. They listened to Christian children's videos all the time. You know, just things like that. They listen to their dad. You know, when pastor's at home and he reads the word, a lot of times he reads it out loud. That's why one reason why I know so much word because he used to, you know, he reads it out loud all the time. So, I mean, that helps me too as I'm doing the dishes and I can hear him, you know. It helped us all. But not only did it help me and my children, but it's gone down into the grandchildren. I multiplied myself. Isn't that cool? See, Sabrina, I'm looking at you, man. You've got an awesome job, and Katie, you're getting ready to have your little baby and all your other moms out here. The job that you have as a mother, Adriana, is, man, you got, you got about 18 years, and you only get one go around. You know what I'm saying? And so it's extremely important that you do that. A lot of times back in those days, Pastor and I had tracks, you know, salvation tracks, and said, Jesus is Lord, Jesus loves you at the top in big letters. He used to wear them in his shirt pocket. And it would stick out, you know. And uh, a lot of times when, when it was a rare occasion that we didn't have the children with us, we would put them in phone booths. You don't even know what a phone booth is anymore, right? <laughs> what in the world is a phone booth? We would stick them in phone booths. Or if we went out to dinner, which was rare, um, <laughs> we would go to uh, this restaurant in, the, in, the Nap- in uh, Noblesville. Breakfast was like two bucks. And uh, that was our date. That was all we could afford. And Jason and Ben, my older boys, would stay at home with the little ones while we went and, you know, bought a $2 in the morning breakfast. That was our date. We always left tracks, but we always left a good tip, too. And then uh, a lot of times when you go to the grocery store, we would stick the tracks in beer containers. Jesus loves you. And men's magazines. How do you do that? You don't look and you stick them in there, you know. So somebody <laughs> opens up one of those nasty things expecting to see something, they say, whoa, Jesus loves me, you know, loves you. So, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that we can do, amen, just because we may be told that we need to stay home or just because because we're stay-at-home moms and living in the middle of an 80-acre farm with no neighbors, we can still witness, see? God's the Creator, He has all kinds of creative ways that we can do things. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So, you know, we've got to know that we're in a spiritual warfare right now. I mean, we've always been in a spiritual warfare, but it's intensified, right? These are the last days, and we must do our part. We can't stay all huddled up in a, rolled up in a little ball, hoping the world's going to go away, because that ain't happening. You were born again for such a time as this. God's not stupid. I got news for you. He had you, say me, born at such a time as this. You could have been born any other time, but you were born now. Because God is trusting you and trusting you with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever capacity that He has given you, that you're supposed to open up your mouth and you're supposed to say something. So we're supposed to lift up our voice in prayer. We can do that. We can pray. Also, one of the things that I did back on that 88-acre farm with all the kids at home, I prayed. I prayed in the spirit for uh, Pastor and I, our ministry, because we were called to the ministry. And it took 10 years for that to come about. 
And we watched our other friends who were called to the ministry, and they had ministries like that. But we were at home. You know, I was at home. He was working. It took 10 years. But it was because my ministry was these little people. That's what my ministry was. Uh, we can lift up our voice and praise and worship to him. You, you start praising and worshiping the Lord, you bring him on the scene, right? His presence. You, nip, you need to lift up your voice to proclaim his name. You know? Always look for an opportunity to say, thank you, Jesus. Um, our neighbor was over this week getting some hay for me. And uh, he's had some health issues. And I said, man, you look really good and your voice is strong. And he said, yeah, I am doing pretty good. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's see, that's three words. Thank you, Jesus, three words. But you get God on the scene. I went to the eye doctor today, and this little sweet old lady came and, well, you know how they separate you in the office. So she's sitting over here, and she happened to be a different color than me. And I thought, oh, let your little old light shine, you know. So I said, hey, I said, good morning, how are you doing, you know, da-da-da-da. Come to find out she was 82 years old. I said, thank you, Jesus. I said, boy, he's done a good job with you, hasn't she? And then she just starts Jesus talking to me back. You know, you just got to fill the air with the room. When you're somewhere, you just tell somebody when you're leaving, if you can't get Jesus out, you say, you be blessed. You have a blessed day. The word blessed is a Christian word. It's not a worldly word. They say you have a lucky day or something, have a good day. But if you're going to have a blessed day, oh, that resonates God. And you're bringing God on the scene. Sometimes you can say a lot. Sometimes you can little. Sometimes say a little. Sometimes you can think say nothing. And I was thinking about Sabrina again. I thought, okay, so here's Sabrina, because I could picture myself, okay? Here's Sabrina in the grocery store. She's got four little kids with her. And I thought, you know, I bet when you're in the grocery store, you do not hear Sabrina yelling at her kids four aisles over. I bet you don't. You do hear a lot of women yelling and screaming at their kids from four aisles over, and I think, well, you shut up. But some of them don't. But what I can picture her doing is doing what I did. I had one in the basket, one in the cart, two hanging onto the side. Right? That's what you do. Joe used to love to run away and hide. So, so he was in the cart. He was in the basket. Until he was 12 years old, he was in the basket. No, I'm, I'm teasing. No, but I had to watch him. But when people see you in the grocery store with all these little children, I bet people say to you, wow, you have such a blessed family. You have a beautiful little family. People say that to you. And you can respond back, back Jesus helps me every day. So number one, they're seeing you. They're seeing the peacefulness of your family. How many of you have ever been in a restaurant and some kid's screaming bloody murder, you know? I was in the Walmart one day and some kid, I mean, I was in the back of the store, and this kid was screaming because their mom or whoever it was wouldn't buy him a toy. I did all my shopping. Kid's still screaming. Made my way up to the uh, checkout thing. Kid's still screaming. I thought, good Lord. This, you know, not too good, you know what I'm saying? But see, even by our actions, even by the peace that we emit going through the grocery store, it says something. And these shirts that Pastor Dave, you know, these Barstow Faith Confession shirts, I'm telling you what, you guys be ready to open your mouth. Because when you're going through those lines, 
at the Walmart, the grocery store, the gas station, wherever it is you are walking through your neighborhood, and somebody in back of you is reading that shirt, they're going to start talking. And you're going to start talking. Right? Smile at me. Smile at me. You're not smiling. Smile. You know what I do when I'm walking down the aisle in the store a lot of times? I smile at people. Hey, how you doing? If they've got little children, you say, oh, your children are so precious. Yeah, do, do anything you can to open up a conversation. You're so blessed. Boy, Jesus has really blessed you. You know, you get the name of Jesus out there. See what I'm saying? You look for an open door. Sometimes we even do stuff like this. So if you're ever in the Walmart parking lot or some parking lot and you, we're there too, and we see you, we'll say this to you. Hey, mister, we're new in town. Do you know of a good church anywhere? And your cue is to say, yeah, High Desert Word Center. It's out there on the highway across the street from the, the, from the drive-in. And you go, thanks for the information. Gotta be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove and tap into the creativity of the most high God. So I go way off balance on my notes. So let me go back here. Okay. We cannot say it's too dark because we're filled with the light, right? We are, we are filled with the light of God. Look at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. These were the last words that Jesus spoke while he was on the earth here. He said, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, Oh, this is powerful. All power. How much power does God have? All power. Is given to me in heaven and on earth, he said. Therefore you go. Because he's given us his power. Right? He says, therefore, you go and teach all nations. What are all nations? All people groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth, Jesus said. You may say, well, I can't afford to go into all the earth. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Look at Mark 16, the last part of this, starting in verse 15. Same thing, only Mark, uh, Luke's, uh, Mark's rendition here. And, and Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? We've got the power to cast devils out. We shall speak with new tongues. We can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. It says take up serpents. That doesn't mean we're going around being snake handlers. That means like in the book of Acts when, when Paul was making a fire, 
he went to gather wood, and a snake bit him. And the people all stood there and waited for him to die because it was a very poisonous snake, and he just shook it off. And he kept on doing what he was doing. It means that if perchance we get bitten by something like that, it's not going to harm us. It says, we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, we've got a job to do. We've got a job to do and we can't be too shy to do it. Praise God. This is so cool what I'm going to say because I got to thinking about this. Remember the title of the message is Untying God's Hands. Think of the Battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Okay, think about this. So, God instructs Joshua, picks Joshua, tells him, I want you to do this, Joshua. Now, sometimes the, Lord, the stuff that the Lord instructs us to do seems absolutely ridiculous. But you're not God. You don't think like God. God's ways are higher than our ways. He tells them, what, six days you march around the walls, don't say anything of Jericho. Jericho's the enemy. You march around these walls six days. On the seventh day, you march around it seven times. And the seventh time, you shout. Well, the people inside were petrified just seeing all these folks marching around for six days not saying anything. So fear got on them, right? So when they went around the wall on the seventh day and marched around seven times and they all shouted, the walls fell down. But now listen to this. What if Joshua said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. We've all said to God, I'm not going to do that. All of us, be it a big thing or be it a little thing. I want you to call so-and-so. Yeah, I'll do it later today. A week goes by, you still haven't called so-and-so. Right? What did God tell you to do five days ago? Pick up the phone and call so-and-so. You know why that's important? Because so-and-so may be ready to commit suicide or something. And by you making that phone call and being obedient to do it, it's not a big thing. You could have saved that person's life. And that's the truth. That's God's honest truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Joshua could have tied God's hands because if Joshua hadn't moved... If Joshua hadn't obeyed God, he would have tied God's hands. God could not have made the walls of Jericho fall down if Joshua had not obeyed. We have to untie God's hands in our lives. God will do wonderful things for us if we just untie his hands. What about Moses in the Red Sea? <laughs> if Moses hadn't raised up that rod... Those people, those Israelites might still be slaves over in Egypt. Who knows? Now, was that a hard thing to do? Hold up this stick. Was that a hard thing to do? That's not a hard thing to do, right? Sometimes we think, man, God, that's a really dumb thing. Why would you have me hold up a stick? 
Why would you have me march around walls for six days? Why would you have me do this, Lord? God has a reason. He's smarter than you. Say, God's smarter than me. He's way smarter than me. God has a plan. He wants to use me. Right? Right? We just have to be obedient. So we have to untie God's hands, right? Hallelujah. For many of us who are out there saying, Here I am, Lord, use me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever said that to God? Or you just kind of live your life in la-la land? You know, I like to use it. <laughs> I'm just out there in la-la land. You don't ever say, God, use me. If you say to God, use me, He's going to take you at your word. So you've got to be ready to be used by God. Amen. In Isaiah 6, 8, let's read that. Let's read Isaiah 6, 8. So the Lord's talking to Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 8. And he said this, he says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, God's saying this, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? God's looking for somebody. And Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. But also... There was a place, see, I got myself all out of my notes, out of my order, because all out of order because I started doing something different. Oh, yeah. Also, in, you don't have to go there. But on Isaiah 59, 16, God says, I looked for an intercessor. He said, and there was none. Don't think when God talks to you and tells you to do something, you say, God, I don't want to do that. Yeah, ask so-and-so. They'll do it. Well, there may not ever be any other so-and-sos. You're the one. Say, I'm the one. God, use me. God, use me. Amen. He's going to use you all kinds of ways. Okay, I want to show you something as I try to close out here. Oh, Look at Acts 4.31. Acts 4.31. I love this. You know, if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, Jesus is the Holy Ghost baptizer. And all you have to do is cry out for it. I think Jesse Garcia, you got filled with the Holy Ghost sitting in a Dr. Barkley meeting, and he said, if you're sitting out there and you don't have the Holy Ghost, just raise your hands and he'll give it to you now. And you did and he did, right? Amen. Read this. Let's read this together. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed... The place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. See, we've got boldness. 
Maybe we used to be shy. Maybe we used to be backward. Maybe we used to be afraid. But we're not that way anymore. When the Holy Ghost comes upon us, the boldness of God comes upon us. So praise the Lord. I tell you what. There's a, that's about all I can say for all of this. I just want to encourage you. You know, maybe you're not an Isaiah that's called to be a prophet. I was going to read to you Ananias. It's getting late. Ananias chapter 9, verse 10, where the Lord tells Ananias, Go tell Paul. Go witness to Paul. And he says, I'm not going to go witness to Paul. Paul's been out there killing Christians. That was Ananias' first response. Like, are you crazy, God? I'm not going to go talk to Paul. He's killing folks. Little did he realize that Paul had a road to Damascus experience. And he met Jesus. Paul had to have somebody tell him about Jesus and tell him about the word. So Ananias obeyed and he went to Paul. So maybe maybe God hasn't called you to be an Isaiah or an Ananias or a Paul or any of the above. But bottom line is, all this begins in your home. Right? It begins on your street where you live. I dare say that the people on your street, most of them aren't even born again. Tell me about it. They, they don't know God. Right? What about when, when you're in the line at the Walmart or whatever? How many people in line and back of you don't even know Jesus? Or the gas station or whatever? Most people are not saved. If all the people in Barstow were saved and go in the church, there are not enough churches in Barstow to hold the people. Think about it. We've got a job to do, right? So God doesn't like lazy, disobedient children. So you need to begin to ask God, Lord, here I am, use me. Smith Wigglesworth, every day, you know the story better than I do, he would say, Lord, give me, how many people a day did he want to get born in six or something? What was it? He would say, Lord, give me six people that I can lead to Jesus today. And he wouldn't even go home until he had six. But there's more to it than leading people to Jesus. There's getting them into the house of God, especially this house. There's lots of houses around, but this house has a discipleship program. So you bring somebody in here that you lead to the Lord, or you bring somebody in here and they get saved at these altars, Pastor Dave signs them up with a spiritual personal trainer walks them hand in hand for 30 days and he's working on more days to make sure that they're grounded in the Word of God. You don't have a baby and throw them, sit them on the sidewalk, prop them up and say, okay, feed yourself. doesn't happen. It's the same thing with the spiritual baby. So we need to get out there and, and win the world for him, right? This is the last days, people. I'm just telling you. You know, if you don't realize that, if you're, in, if you're caught up in the fog of the world and you don't think Jesus is coming back like soon, you need to shake yourself and you need to get real. You need to read Matthew 24 like maybe every day. Hallelujah. I could go on forever, but I, uh, there's nowhere else to go, right? Either you do it or you don't do it, right? Either you obey Him and you get out there and you do it or you don't do it. 
And it doesn't matter if you're living in the middle of an 80-acre farm with no neighbors. You've got four little kids. God will show you something to do for Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.